Welcome back for Job Part 2. This is a continuation. We looked at uh, Job Part 1 last Sunday. And if you look on the website, westbankbiblechurch.com, uh, you'll see on the front page, it talks of, got an icon there for the Old Testament. Uh, and it lists all the books, and it's a tremendous wealth of information in there. And I encourage you to take a look at that. Last week, I began an overview of the book of Job. When time expired, we were looking at the exhortations of Elihu. I want to review some of that learned and then pick up with new material on page two. Two, the author of the book is unknown and the time of the writing is arguably around circa 1550 B.C. Most expositors think Moses wrote the book. But before we begin the lesson, let us remember 1 John 1.9 is may or may not be necessary. The Doctrine of Job 1. The narrative of Job and his experiences are history, not fiction, as many over the years have contended. 2. This conclusion is required by the reference to Job elsewhere in Scripture, Ezekiel 14.14 14 and 20, and James 5.11. 3. Job's homeland was somewhere to the east of Palestine, near the border of the desert. There are several indications that he lived in the patriarchal age in which we would today call Western Saudi Arabia. 4. Reasons why most expositors believe Job lived just before or at least during the age of the patriarchs. The longevity of Job. The flourishing of true religion supported by a special divine revelation before the Abrahamic covenant. Certain early social and ethnic features such as the nomadic status of the Chaldeans the patriarchal form of worship and sacrifice. Landmarks mentioned. His name, Job, was a name prominent in the second millennium B.C., but not found in the first millennium. Six, best information would seem to teach Moses learned about Job from his Midianite father-in-law during his stay in Midian. Job's trials were taught from year to year, family to family, over a significant period of time, and finally recorded in writing by Moses even before he penned the first five books of the Old Testament. 7. That Job was involved early on in the angelic conflict is made clear in the first and second chapters of Job, Job 1, 6-22, and Job 2, 1-10. 8. Materially prosperous and genuinely pious Job had continued for perhaps some 70 years in the manifest favor of God and men. Then the sudden and total reversal of all of his earthly prosperity introduced the great crisis that gave Job's life special significance in the angelic conflict. 9. Out of the agony and enigma of his sufferings, arose the compliant of Job, Job chapter 3, 
and a long formal discussion between him and Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zafar, his three philosophical friends. That's Job 4 through 31. 10. The debate served to demonstrate the foolishness of the traditional wisdom of the world, which led his wife and friends to falsely judge Job's sufferings. 11. It took the revelation of the voice of the Lord himself out of the whirlwind, Job 32-37, through 37, to bring the anguished sufferer back to peace, trusting his Lord, Job 38 one 42-6. 11.1. A sample of the message from the young Elihu prepares Job for God's whirlwind message, 11.2. Last week we read much of the young prophet's message. Before we get to the whirlwind, I want to complete the selected passages of Elihu. Job 36, verse 5 through 13. God is mighty, but does not despise men. He is mighty and firm in his purpose. He does not keep the wicked alive, but gives the afflicted their rights. He does not take his eyes off the righteous. He enthrones them with kings and exalts them forever. But if men are bound in change, held fast by cords of affliction, he tells them what they have done, that they have sinned arrogantly. He makes them listen to correction and commands them to repent of their sins. If they obey and serve him, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity and their years in contentment. But if they do not listen, they will perish by the sword and die without knowledge. The godless in heart harbor resentment. Even when he fetters them, they do not cry for help. Job 36, verses 15 through 17. But those who suffer he delivers in their suffering, he speaks to them in their affliction. He is wooing you from the jaws of distress to a spacious place free from restriction, to the comfort of your table laden with choice food. But now you are laden with the judgment due the wicked. Judgment and justice have taken hold of you. Job chapter 36 verses 21 through 33. Beware of turning to evil, which you seem to prefer to affliction. God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? Who has prescribed his ways for him? Or said to him, You have done wrong. Remember to extol his work, which men have praised in song. All mankind has seen it. Men gaze on it from afar. How great is God! Beyond our understanding, the number of his years is past finding out. He draws up the drops of water, which distill as rain to the streams. The clouds pour down their moisture, and abundant showers fall on mankind. Who can understand how he spreads out the clouds, how he thunders from his pavilion? So how he scatters his lightning about him, bathing the depths of the sea. This is the way he governs the nation and provides food in abundance. 
He fills his hands with lightning and commands it to strike its mark. His thunder announces the coming storm. Even the cattle make known its approach. Job 37, verse 5 through 11. God's voice thunders in marvelous ways. He does great things beyond our understanding. He says to the snow, Fall on the earth, and to the rain shower. Be a mighty downpour, so that all men he has made may know his work. He stops every man from his labor. The animals take cover, they remain in their dens. The tempest comes out from its chamber, the cold from the driving winds. The breath of God produces ice, and the broad waters become frozen. He loads the clouds with moisture. He scatters his lightning through them. Job 37, verse 14 through 19. Listen to this, Job. Stop and consider God's wonders. Do you know how God controls the clouds and makes his lightning flash? Do you know how the clouds hang poised, those wonders of him who is perfect in knowledge? You who swelter in your clothes when the land lies hushed under the south wind. Can you join him in spreading out the skies, hard as a mirror of cast bronze? Tell us what we should say to him. We cannot draw upon our case because of our darkness. 11.2. A sample of the message from God in a whirlwind. Job 38, verse 1 through 9. Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness. Job 38 verse 12 Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? Job 38, verse 34 through 37. Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you? Here we are. Who endowed the heart with wisdom or gave understanding to the mind? Who has the wisdom to count the clouds? Who can tip over the water jars of the heavens? Job 39, verse 1 through 5. Do you know when the mountain goats give birth? Do you watch when the doe bears her fawn? Do you count the months till they bear? Do you know the time they give birth? They crouch down and bring forth their young. Their labor pains are ended. Their young thrive and grow strong in the wilds. They leave and do not return. 
Who let the wild donkey go free? Who untied his ropes? Job chapter 40, verses 1 and 2. The Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who accuses God answer him. Point 12. Job's reaction to the message. Job 40, verse 3 and 4. Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. Point 13. Thus was Job proved acceptable, a good and faithful servant, a witness for the Lord in the appeal phase of the angelic conflict. Point 14. If any fault was demonstrated by Job, it was his questioning of God, a most understandable reaction, but contrary to the ultimate trust God deserves. 15. As vindiction of Job before the eyes of his human accusers, God crowned the earthly life of his servant with twofold restoration. That's Job 42, 7 through 17. Epilogue, Job 42, verse 7 through 17. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends, because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a bird offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you, and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shudite, and Zophar the Namathite did what the Lord told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. All of his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought upon him. And each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, and a thousand yoke of oxen, and a thousand donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. The first daughter he named Jemiah, the second Kazai, and the third Karen Hapuch. Nowhere in all the land were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived a hundred and forty years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so he died, old and full of years. And that concludes the book of Job. If you are following along in the outline, you can see that after this, it starts the book of Psalms. And it continues on. Over the last two Sundays, we've gone through 
the two lessons of Job, which are number 101 and 102. There are a total of 142 lessons of the Old Testament on westbankbiblechurch.com. Again, to repeat myself, if you go to the main page and the right-hand column, third one down, it says Old Testament, and that's where you can find the outline for all 142 lessons. I encourage you to visit the website and take a look at some of that. You can also look at some of the over 275 Pastor Merritt study books. There's a wealth of information on there. And, of course, you can also listen to us on the podcast, which you may be doing right now. If you're listening on the podcast, you don't have the benefit of following along in the outline, which is a great help for looking back to reference something and to see what those words are that I'm constantly mispronouncing. I beg your forgiveness. I thank you for listening. An update to Pastor Merritt's health. He's coming along. It's a slow process. He's still in a lot of pain. Uh, he thanks you for all the prayers and continue to ask you to send him his way. No one wants him back more than I do. No one deserves him back more than you do. I do not do justice to his work, uh, but I'm trying. I thank you all for listening. And remember, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. There's never a better time to get something done than right now. It's not a job to put off. It's something to get done right now. If he's calling you, answer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. It's that simple. Again, I thank you for listening, and so long.